0: Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another exciting discussion on all things well-being. This is Dr. Kimberly Quinn, and I am in Burlington, Vermont, with Dr. Liz Allen Pennebaker, and uh, she's going to talk to us about some exciting ways to uh, role model and mentor flexibility and resiliency in higher education. Uh, So to begin, is it okay if I call you Liz? Sure, of course. Okay, excellent, Liz. So uh, let's first start out with uh, how long you've been here at Champlain College, what you teach, what you do, and then also what sparked your interest in this cool, new, flexible grading technique that certainly wowed me last week when I was at your your presentation on campus, uh, because it modeled resilience, and especially this time we are in right now after the pandemic. So maybe... So time spent here, what you do, what sparked your interest in specs grading, and maybe what it is, because not everybody may know what it is. Okay.
1: Um, I have taught at Champlain since the fall of 2011. I started... as an adjunct faculty member. And then in the fall of 2015, I became a full-time faculty member. I teach in the core division at Champlain, which is the Interdisciplinary Liberal Arts Program. My academic training is actually in Austrian studies, which I always have to follow by saying, yes, that really is a thing. Um, but now I get to teach classes in all different kinds of areas, like politics and history and you know, a little bit of neuroscience, a little bit of psychology thrown in. Um, and I really love it. Um, what I'll start by saying what specifications grading is, I guess, maybe, and then I'll, Talk a little bit about like how I got there, so specifications grading is a little bit different than standard grading in that what it does is it, rather than sort of listing a, a bunch of criteria for an assignment and then you rank how well the student does on each criterion and you know you add up whatever points they get for those you know all of those criteria together, and that's their grade specifications grading is rather a set a, a set of yes no questions like does the paper have X in it? Does it have this, you know, certain kind of source that you're supposed to use? Does it cover a certain subject, right? Does it have the right formatting and a bibliography? And, um, you know, and and you can also have subjective things in, in the specs as well, like, does it make sense? Um, and you have to be able to answer yes to every single question, or your instructor has to be able to answer yes to every single question in order for you to get any points for the paper at all and this sounds extremely draconian but for one twist which is that students get multiple revisions so that they can get to yes for all of the questions all right and and this also has this sort of sound of being not very flexible Um, And I suppose in the wrong hands, it might be not very flexible as a grading system. But another nice thing about specs grading is that you could limit your sort of central specifications for an assignment to something that's rather small right? And then what it does is it lets student ha- students have total agency and creativity outside of those central specs. Like as long as it talks about, you know, the required subject and uses a certain number of sources and, you know, makes some sense, like beyond that, students have a lot of creativity with that. Um, and so it's um, it's a s- system that I like because it's both rigorous, right? Like it doesn't let students hand in sort of half-assed work and then like, get away with it. Um, But it's also incredibly flexible and um, gives students a lot of chance to sort of hone their craft and get better at stuff over time instead of just one and done.
0: This is fabulous, Liz. Wow. And uh, it's so timely for students right now that I think Mm -hmm. are really in such a place. I've seen it with my own, just in such a place that they really are needing some flexibility. So maybe uh, perhaps you can tell us about how you got, you know, sort of jazzed up about the specs grading. And I also know you have incorporated tutorials, which are not technically part of what is considered specs grading. So maybe you can also then fill us in on what you did or, you know, to merge those two things.
1: Sure. I got into specs grading like I seem to get into a lot of things in my life actually, which is a little bit by accident and a little bit out of a, in a moment of frustration where I thought there has to be a different way. Right. So in this moment, what happened was that I, um, I graded in sort of a standard way for the first several years that I worked at Champlain. And then one, at the end of one fall semester, I came down with bacterial pneumonia and I am not typically a person who gets sick and goes to bed, but man, was I in bed and sick and like hacking up a lung and pumped full of antibiotics, which I also almost never take. And I called up my dean and I said, do you think I could submit my grades late? And she said, not really. Because, you know, federal stuff, right? So I'm sitting there like hacking up along, trying to grade these papers that had all too obviously been written in the middle of the night, probably under the influence of at least some Red Bull, if not more things, right? And, um, And I thought, this is like a farce that I'm sitting here this sick grading papers that students have to be aware are not their best work. Right. And I said, how, what can I do about this? Like this is not teaching them what they should really be doing in their lives. Like this is not teaching them the right work ethic. And it was also driving me crazy because I felt really sick and I just wanted to go to sleep. Um, and so I Googled, I hate GR. Right. And Clearly, I'm not the first person to ever Google this because Google filled in that search string so fast it said, I hate grading. And I said, oh, my God, yes, I'm not the only one. And it brought me to this thing called specifications grading. And so then while I was recovering from pneumonia after I submitted my grades, I greedily read all these books about specifications grading um, and decided that that was definitely the way forward in terms of me getting better work from the students, making my feedback more useful to the students. Cause that was another thing that I was sitting there so sick and I'm like, I'm writing stuff that they are never going to read and I could be sleeping. (laughs) Um, And so I felt like it would make feedback more useful and it would really teach them like the right kind of um, like way to approach projects so that they could succeed in their careers. And I revamped all of my classes for the spring semester over, you know, the course of the next month and have been using specs grading ever since.
0: Wow. I mean, just fascinating Liz. And so perhaps just so, just so folks are, are, um, you know, on the same page, a little higher education humor there, if uh, you could sort of elaborate or, you know, sort of fill us in a little bit more on what tutorials are. And then, especially since students are such in a, post-pandemic sort of because it's still unpredictable right they're in this foggy place um you know maybe how you've how you've seen this the way this sort of uh Liz version of combining the uh specs grading with with the tutorials and how that has benefited them so what it is and maybe how it's worked
1: sure yeah um I was already doing tutorials, actually, even before I discovered uh, specs grading. Um, Tutorials come from my own graduate training because I did um, most of my graduate work overseas in the UK, where tutorials are an established part of the teaching system. And I really loved them. I thought that the one with one interaction was the way to go, especially when anybody's dealing with, you know, any kind of complex ideas, which is what we aim to do um, in, in core classes at Champlain. Um, And so I'd already been doing that with students. Um, And the essence of a tutorial is that a student comes and brings their own paper and then the faculty member and the student discuss the paper together. Um, And in some tutorials, students read their work out loud before the discussion starts. And I incorporated that part of it on purpose into my tutorials, because I feel like that is an incredibly beneficial practice for students to start doing, right? Students never believe me that it's a good way to improve their writing and to hear where they need to like tweak it and adjust it, um, until they actually do it. And then they all go, oh yeah, like I heard all this stuff that I needed to fix. And I was like, yes. And so now they, that gives them a, a sort of a, a, real life lesson and like how valuable that technique is. And the other thing that it does is that I defy any student to come in to a tutorial and read a paper out aloud to a professor and look them in the eye and not be embarrassed about bad work. That, you know, work that they know is bad, that isn't their best. Right. And so I have found that um, it really inspires students to put forward their best work. Um, and the quality of the work that I've received is really improved and that's great because it gives us something much better and more interesting to talk about. Um, and when we all had to pivot to the pandemic, um, I was really thinking, you know, because of the pandemic, we had to pivot to remote learning. I was thinking that what's the essence of college classes, Right, and I actually was thinking then back to my undergraduate days. Um, I went to a college where there was this saying that like the best college class is a professor on one end of a log and a student on the end of the other, and they're really serious about it. Like the the, the campus bar is named the log, like it's a real part of the culture. So you know it was a thing that I remembered really clearly, and I thought, okay, like that's a tutorial right there, and um and that's really the essence is that connection, and so I doubled down on the tutorials and the small group stuff during the pandemic and students loved it they said that you know mine were some of the best classes in terms of like their post pivot experience because i just prioritized that connection and kind of let drop a lot of the other things that were a little bit you know outside of that central thing um and so the tutorials have been brilliant because Like essentially you can do them without missing a beat over video because you don't have any of that like sort of Brady bunch thing happening on zoom. It's just you and the student and you're interacting close to naturally when it's just two people. Um, and so I think the students have really appreciated how much of a connection it's enabled them to maintain with me. Um, and it's also, it tends to inspire them to have their cameras on because it's personal. So that's been good too.
0: Wow. Wow. Liz, I find this enormously interesting, you know, especially as a professor myself. And by the way, Liz's presentation was, was quite good uh, last week. It really had me thinking, that's for sure. And with listening to her just now, it's bringing me right to the work of Carol Dweck, which some of you may know, you know she's quite well known, not just in the field of psychology, but also education, merged together with her work on the growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. So just for those of you who may not be familiar, in a nutshell, the fixed mindset is kind of like, these are the cards I've been dealt, this is how smart I am, this is my writing ability, this is my math ability, my athletic ability, that's it. Versus the growth mindset, which kind of says we can we can change all this if we choose to and put in the effort. She's a big effort person. And also, and I'm um, excited to hear what, what Liz has to say about how Carol Dweck, fosters the growth mindset with her, her concept of the grading of sort of not yet. I actually had
1: known already about Carol Dweck's work before I found the specs grading stuff. And when I found them, I thought, well, this is Carol Dweck in action. Right. And that was one of the things I'd been thinking about actually is like, okay, like I I sort of, you know, bang on in class about the growth mindset, but like nothing structurally is really supporting that about the way that I do things. And so I was really thrilled to find specs grading as this way to, um, implement that in a, in a system that was like fairly easy to get your head around. Right. Because they're, you know, they're, they're when you start getting into like having students do revisions, it's pretty easy for that to get sort of logistically complicated for them. And so this is very simple and straightforward with those yes, no questions. And so I really liked it because it was a way to kind of like put into action this otherwise, you know, somewhat complicated concept to implement into a course. Um, And um, I definitely notice like it, it, when you bring students into a tutorial and you're doing specs grading with them, it's pretty easy to spot who doesn't who has a growth mindset and who has a fixed mindset because the fixed mindset kids find it very distressing to be in tutorials and, you know, presenting work and then have the professor say, well, you're getting there, but you're not there yet. Right. Like you have to, you know, like this part of the paper is really good. I answered yes, yes, yes to these things, but here you need to do some work and they struggle with that sometimes. And I think that's actually one of the best things about this system is that, the students who like are perfectionistic or um, just really terrified to fail at something because they don't, they just don't know what's going to happen or they think that the end of the world will come or something like that. Like this system really gives them a chance to, you know, fail in a tiny little way and then recover and then, you know, come out of it better on the other side. Um, And uh, it's, um, particularly good for students who um, innately may struggle with writing, right? Because everybody comes out of the box with like some things that are really easy for them and then some things that they have to work really hard on. And students who have had to work hard on writing, a lot of times what they end up with is just Cs in classes where they have to write papers. And they kind of just walk away going, well, I'm a C student, right? And when they have the chance to revise, when it's sort of built into the structure of the class and the way that it is – right? They all of a sudden discover what they're capable of doing because they never got pushed to do it uh, before or very rarely. And I've had several of them come to me like with A's in hand and that they're thrilled to get because under normal grading systems, oftentimes A's are not things that they are sort of like able to get very easily. Um, And they say, I never knew I could write so well. And I say, okay, well, not only do you now know it, but you now know it for next time. Right, like you've got this in you.
0: Okay, wow, Liz, my head is like just running wildly with all this exciting stuff, and I'm wondering, with what's this, in? a sea of professors here, we are surrounded with a you know, just this pool of 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 intelligence. How how do you think it might work with um, time investment? What might folks be thinking about? Oh, I want to try this, but wow, half an hour times that the ex students. What
1: do you say? Every time I mention this to people, they immediately go there. And I am going to swear up and down and backwards and forwards that it takes about the same amount of time as conventional grading. Um, because like if you get confronted with this horrible paper that makes zero sense and then you feel you know, sort of honor bound to write something responsible and and clear back to the student that doesn't just sort of shred the paper and make them feel terrible. Like, that is a big job. And I find that that can take at least the same amount of time as the half an hour that I would spend with the student. And there's not that built-in incentive for them to hand you something good, right? They're just like sending something in on the learning management system and boom, done, right? And so... Um, it's about the same amount of time and the quality of the interaction and the quality of the work is just so much better because when you're just, you know, grading something that's come in on the computer or whatever, like you're just pencil pushing. Right. And a lot of times people feel incredibly frustrated by that, but when I'm doing tutorials, I'm teaching. And that's what I came here to do. Right. That's what I love. And so basically I've turned the part of my job that I hate into a part of my job that I really love because it's that like really good connection and really intense teaching. Like it's a delight to do it that way. Yeah. It's a little bit tiring sometimes if it's a week of a lot of tutorials, but grading a whole bunch of papers in a weekend is also pretty tiring. So I I will take this all day, every day and twice on Sunday.
0: Okay. Liz, And if I didn't already think this was an amazing idea last week, um, at the at the presentation you did, now with this depth, I just, wow, I don't kind of don't know why anybody would want to do anything else, really. And now with the, the last thing you said, I, I could not be swallowed up whole because I'm the same way as you with the passion. Like, I couldn't even do something if I wasn't passionate about it. And I also think, as you and I were just talking about, kind of in between, is that, that students pick that up. When students can just feel that, or whatever it is somebody's doing, right? Um, that you, you love what you're doing with them. So they're, they're feeling valuable. They're feeling important without you even saying that. And now you, do, you have this lovely merge of psychology going on with education in that not only are you teaching them the content of whatever course it is you're teaching, you're, all, you're also giving them skills for their entire adult life. Which is changing their mindset, because there's nothing more important than that, right? Kind of the gift that keeps on giving. So maybe you can um, sort of, you know, wind us up here with how what you're doing in the classroom can can literally benefit your students forever.
1: Well, that was certainly the goal. I mean, that was one of the things that distressed me about conventional grading and made me switch, which was that I felt like I was sending students out into the world with this idea that you can kind of like skate by in life with a D. right? And, um, you know, particularly in core classes, which are the general ed classes at Champlain, like a lot of times students are not focused on them and they really do almost come into those classes with a strategy and it kind of can work for them in a way, right, and give them a little bit more time to focus on their major classes. But it sends them out into the world with this idea that there are parts of your life where you can realistically do that. And I was really, I like, literally, I had these sort of moral qualms about sending students out there thinking that, you know, the work ethic that they had was going to serve them when I knew, right, from my time in business that they were going to get fired if they handed in the kind of work that I was seeing um, and they, you know, put that in front of a boss. And so I really wanted to give them a mental toolkit for thinking like, okay, how do I do work that I know is good, right? And I think the rubrics that I use with the yes, no questions, I think that might give them a kind of a conceptual model for, um, you know, just thinking about how to produce good quality work down the line. Um, and the students who like really like sort of, rebel against the system um are the ones who really intended to just do shoddy work from the start. And so I think for them the learning is, yeah, the writing, right? But really much more the like, okay, you have to show up with your best stuff, you know, for for people to be happy with your performance. Um, and the other thing that I think that I'm sending students out in the world with, and we referenced this a little bit before, is the sense that even if you don't quite get it right the first time, right that it's worth going back and doing it again right and i've had students who get really frustrated by this process like don't you know i, I don't want to sort of gloss over the fact that like i've had tears over this um and when that happens what i tell them is that um, i get really authentic with them about what's happened in my life which is that Um, as I said, I did my graduate work in the UK and over there, it's more common for doctoral theses to, um, get what is called referred, right. Which is they, they, you go, you show up for your defense and then they send you back and they say, you got to work on it some more. Right. Which is of course gutting in the moment. Right. Like, and, and so I say to my students, you know, like this happened to me too, right like this is not just some dumb teacher thing that i'm doing to you right like i'm teaching you the lesson that i've had in my life which is that you can you know not do it perfectly the first time and then recover and end up doing a great job the second time or the third time like and i really hope that they walk out into the world with that belief that they have the ability to first of all do good work to know how to do good work and then also to recover if the work that they do is not exactly what they want it to be the first time
0: Okay. Wow. This is such great food for thought for educators, Liz. Um, I just need to say, wow. So maybe as, as we uh, uh, sort of wind things up here, I, th- I think we definitely need to uh, maybe just visit the the uh, the idea that obviously in a classroom full of students, we have so many who are considered neurotypical and then we've got some neurodivergent students, maybe autism spectrum or ADHD or their dyslexia gamut of, of learning differences. Mm-hmm. And How do you think this, I like to call it the Liz method of combining specs grading and tutorials, how do you think this might benefit those students who have any sort of difference in learning?
1: Well, like everything, you always have to be a little flexible and adaptable to make anything that you're doing pedagogically work for everybody. Um, In the case of dyslexic students, right? one of the hallmarks of the tutorial is that students read the paper out loud. But if they say that they have dyslexia, I always ask them if they want me to read the paper to them. Um, Because that way they still get the benefit of hearing the paper out loud and also the, you know, sort of the effect of like, they have to own up to their work, right? Like by, by having it read aloud during a session. But I'm not putting them on the spot with the reading, which mechanically is just hard for them. In terms of um, students on the spectrum or with ADHD, I think one of the nice things about the specs grading rubrics is that they are beautifully simple. It's very binary. Did you do it? Did you not? Right. And that definitely takes a little bit of like a learning curve for the person doing it. Like for me as an educator, it took me a little while to get those rubrics really like honed in because what it does is it forces you to really like break down the paper into its constituent elements. Like what's most important? What do I need to ask the questions about? And so- When you do that to make the rubric, you're also doing that for students. And that can be incredibly helpful for, you know, students who like otherwise find communication to be a little bit um, sort of like this, this web of, of of things that are happening that feels chaotic to them because it's harder for them to parse, like all of a sudden it breaks it down for them in this wonderfully simple way. Um, And so I think it really helps uh, students who need more simplicity. Um, And then also, Um, students on the spectrum, particularly, they tend to do better with smaller interactions. Um, and, um, and so I think the tutorials are a really good format for them. They can often really shine in the, that format because they're not in a group of 20 people. They're in a room with just me. Um, I have a little bit of an inside edge with this as well, because my dad was somewhere on the autism spectrum. So I, I grew up around people on the spectrum. And I kind of like have this innate sense, I think, of how to put people at ease. Um, And so I think that's also just kind of a little bit of like a secret sauce that I personally happen to have with the tutorials. But I think anybody who, you know, thinks about it is going to be able to do the same things that I just sort of innately knew how to do. Um, So I think it's an incredibly valuable uh, teaching method for, you know, a range of students um, it kind of lets every student come as themselves and bring their best stuff to the tutorial. And you can just kind of like respond to it in a very individual way.
0: Okay. Wow. Again, Liz, and um, you and I are on the same page for sure, as far as the authenticity thing. So I'm not how to do anything else but that. And I genuinely believe people pick it up when we are in it to win it out of passion. And, and being in the flow, as they say, right? So that also added to, um, you know, really why this Liz method of of, of a grading technique is so, so good on so many levels, because it's not just the actual writing part, which of course is, a, is needed professionally, but it sounds like you are also teaching and channeling uh, students learning to be confident in their work, which will then lead to them being proud of their work which then there's external mirroring of valuing which therefore has them also learning to see value in themselves so it's it's just huge and then with all that positivity going on they're far more apt to actually you know um from a memory standpoint more apt to keep it and hang on to the actual content because it's been an overall good experience and so I can't say enough about this. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit here with you with this conversation. It's just, uh, it's been amazing. It has my gear spinning wildly, even more wildly than last week. So I will throw out a big thank you to Dr. Liz Allen Pennebaker for her time today and uh, sharing with us um, how to go about the Liz Method and also the tremendous benefit to our students this is having. Thank you,
1: Liz. Well, thank you for having me. Um, You're very nice to call it the Liz Method, but really I'm just combining two good ideas into one. So, specifications grading, not my idea. Tutorials, definitely not my idea. They've been at that for centuries. Um, but um, I am very happy to answer questions that anybody has about how this works. I think you're going to put a link to my website in the show notes. So, please feel free to reach out to me if you want to learn more about what I do. I'm happy to talk.
0: Excellent. It's been such a pleasure. Good
1: night. For me, too. Good night.